you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, Psalm chapter 32. We're going to be looking at Psalm 31, uh, 32, a little bit of 33, and some of 34. Uh, while you're turning there, remind you of a couple of things. First of all, we pray together as a church at 1 o'clock for one minute uh, for one thing every day. And this, uh, this pattern of prayer that we have adopted over uh, uh, several months now should uh, become kind of routine for us. But if you still need a reminder to pray at 1 o'clock for one minute, go ahead and put that in your phone or uh, write out a sticky note and put it uh, in a prominent place so that you will be uh, reminded to pray. Now, the one thing that we're praying for is the same thing we've been praying for uh, since uh, the beginning of this year. Uh, and that is we're praying for that one person uh, that God would put in our life in 2019 uh, that he would use us to help them see their need uh, for a relationship with him through faith in Christ. That, that you would uh, feel and understand and know that there is that person in your sphere of influence <coughs> who is far from God and God would use you uh, to help them uh, come near to God through faith in Christ. Now, what I want us to pray this way, and by the way, is awesome response here at uh, First Norfolk on Volvo or uh, at First Norfolk on Kempsville, over 500 names of individuals that you put in, uh, uh, turned in last week of those ones in your life. Now, here's the prayer I want you to pray, uh, and I'll be praying it as well. Father, will you show me and open the door of opportunity so that I can have uh, a conversation uh, with that one person that moves from small talk to spiritual conversations. Uh, God, show me how to uh, walk through the opportunity that you give so that I would have a spiritual conversation with that one person. And so you pray that with me this week. Also, uh, we've been looking at uh, and memorizing scripture together. And there are these green cards that show us which uh, uh, scriptures we're memorizing. Hopefully you've been, uh, Dominic, bring that one to me. Uh, we've been uh, memorizing scripture together, and, and uh, we began with John 3, chapter 16 and 17, and uh, this is the green card. Y'all see this? Hold on, hold on. This is the green card. Uh, we've looked at, uh, thank you, sir. You did a great job. Give him a hand. Um, we've been looking at John 3, 16. We looked at uh, uh, Psalm 1611. We memorized Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Last week, we memorized Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Uh, and uh, it, many of y'all have memorized that. And then God said, uh, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Uh, let him have dominion over the, fishes, uh, over the fishes of the sea. And I really like that, uh, having dominion over fishes of the sea because I like fishing. Uh, over the birds of the air, over the cattle. Over the cattle, a lot of talk about cattle in our world today. Uh, we have dominion over the cattle. Uh, uh, over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God made man in his own image. Uh, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And the promise and the message of Genesis 1, 26 and 27 is that God created us to find our fullest measure of satisfaction in friendship and fellowship with him. Uh, this week we're looking at Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 and that's one that may be a little more familiar, a little easier to memorize. Galatians 2 20, uh, Paul declares, for I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. 
And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Uh, so this week, let's begin this week, today, uh, by memorizing uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. If you haven't gotten the ones before, that's okay. Start today. Start Galatians 2, 20. I've been crucified with Christ. Uh, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Uh, well, uh, the, the last thing before we start the message, I wanted to go ahead and uh, bring good news uh, to you today. Uh, First Norfolk is excited because after uh, several months of searching and looking and praying, uh, God has finally led us to whom we believe God is calling to be the next location pastor at First Norfolk on Volvo, and that is Tim Whitney. Tim and Megan Whitney, along with their uh, son, Tolson, uh, there they are, uh, Tim and Megan uh, are pastoring in Maryland right now, but Megan grew up in our church. Uh, her mom is uh, uh, Karen Tucker, stepdad Tommy Tucker. Uh, she's kind of homegrown. Tim served on staff with us several years ago in different capacities, and we are thrilled uh, that God is calling them to join us here in this wondrous work that he has given us to do, and you'll have opportunities to meet them. Their official start date is going to be March 1, but uh, they've got to do some things and sell houses and that kind of thing, uh, so probably mid-March before they get here, but uh, we're excited about that journey. We're also thankful for Gary Sanders, uh, who's done a tremendous job uh, in this interim capacity. He is spectacular. He's not going anywhere, thank goodness. He is sticking and. Uh, uh, we're so thankful, Gary, thank you for all the hard work that you have done and, and continue to do. And I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your faithfulness, for you being uh, the people of God that God has called you to be, to stand true, to pursue his mission, to grow together as the body of Christ. All the things that need to be done, you're doing, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, but I'm also excited for this next chapter. So if you want to join me in celebrating and affirming God's call on Tim and Megan to come here as uh, location pastor at First Norfolk on Volvo, will you just give a big praise and celebration? Great new day. It's going to be awesome. All right. Well, uh, as you have turned to, uh, to uh, Psalm 32, can I just uh, uh, remind you where we were last week? Last week, we looked at Daniel chapter 6. You remember Daniel in the lion's den. And as we looked at Daniel chapter 6, we saw how that God gave Daniel power as he practiced God's presence through prayer. And that is the message from uh, the lion's den. It's not that Daniel escaped the lion's den, although that's good news. Uh, the real message is that God uh, personally was involved and engaged in Daniel's life. And Daniel committed himself uh, to practice God's presence and that prepared him for all situations that he faced, but especially for the lion's den. If you remember, Daniel knelt three times a day and he prayed. And that was his custom and his habit every single day. He prayed like he, eat, uh, like he ate. And that is something that I want to encourage us to do, to, to practice God's presence through prayer and pray like we eat. Uh, I'm excited about that journey of prayer that God is, is uh, uh, bringing up in your life and in mine. And, and the commitment and the passion to practice God's presence through prayer, it leads to a blessed life. Um, that, that idea of being blessed uh, in uh, 
Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. We hear uh, where blessedness comes from. Now, blessed uh, in Psalm 1-1 is a term that, that means happy, filled with joy, and satisfied. And we all want that. We want that kind of blessedness. We want to be happy. We want to be joyful. We want to be satisfied. We want that in our everyday life. And, and that's really what Jesus has come to provide for us. He, he uh, left heaven's throne. He was born in a manger in a stable. Uh, he lived his life sinlessly so that he might die sacrificially for us on the cross. He died for Eric's sin to pay the price for my sin so that when I, through faith, trust Jesus, I can be brought into the family of God and experience the presence of God personally so that I can live a blessed life. Well, that's what the psalmist is talking about in Psalm 1-1. He said, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but blessed is the man who delights himself in the law of the Lord. Now, delighting yourself in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night is the same thing uh, as practicing the presence of God. Uh, so, uh, he, uh, the, the blessed person is one who delights in the law of the Lord, who meditates on uh, that law day and night, and he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, whatever he does shall prosper. Now, don't you want that kind of life? That's the kind of life I want. That's the kind of blessing that God promises those who practice his presence. But sometimes, sometimes we don't practice God's presence. Sometimes we let go the blessedness And take hold of sin. I say sometimes. uh, It's probably more regular than we would ever want to acknowledge or admit. It's every day if we're honest. It's throughout the day if we're brutally honest. Sin is walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Standing in the path of sinners. Sitting in the seat of the scornful. Psalm 1-1. And that's how we forfeit. Let go of blessedness. Anytime we choose a path outside of what God has designed and desires, anytime we choose sin, we're letting go the happy, joy, satisfaction that we long to have. We're letting go of that. Now, it doesn't mean that we cease to be part of God's family. If we're followers of Jesus Christ, we are always part of God's family. Jesus rescued us and he purchased us off the chopping block of sin and he pushed us through the veil that our sin had created between us and God and he brought us into the very presence of God and he made us part of God's family. When I embraced Jesus as Savior and King, he changed me from the inside out and you as well. He changed me and he made me no longer a slave but now a son. And that's who I am forever and ever for all eternity because of Christ's sacrifice. But when I choose today to pick up sin and let go of faithfulness to God and let go of practicing God's presence, when I choose to pick up sin, I put distance between me and God. I put, uh, I, I put a break in the fellowship that I have been created anew by Christ to enjoy. Now, that's what you do. When you sin, every sin, any sin, all sin, 
Do you understand? See, here's what we like to do. We like to say, well, it's the big sin that, separate, that, that breaks fellowship between me and God. That's not true. It's any sin. It's all sin. It's every sin. See, our sin is, is what uh, breaks in that fellowship. Now, if, if, uh, if, if I, I'm, uh, as a husband to my wife, Edie, if I sin against her, um, I don't cease to be her husband. Thank goodness. But if I sin against her, I put distance between myself and her. And I have to make that right. I have to move toward her and find forgiveness from her so that our relationship, although it hasn't been changed, we're still husband and wife, I need to make sure that that relationship is right. And in our relationship with God, what happens is we sin and we act like it's no big deal. That happens in relationship between husbands and wives as well. But it is a big deal. Every sin is a big deal. It's huge. And, and one of the things that I hope that we do is we begin to understand that there is help for us when we break fellowship with God through our unfaithfulness. Uh, this is a coffee cup, right? And many of y'all have picked up that coffee cup, and that's wonderful. And thankful for those uh, young men out there who poured my coffee this morning and, and put a lid on it and didn't leave room for cream because I don't do that kind of stuff. I believe in unadulterated coffee. And so I'm thankful for that. And I, 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 I like this cup, and it's a wonderful cup. The only problem is there's a hole in the cup. There's, there's a hole. That, that cup doesn't work anymore. Not for its intended purpose. It, it, it's, it's failed in its purpose to hold the liquid gold of coffee. The truth is, because of sin, even as followers of Christ, we're all just a little broken. All of us are a little bit broken. This is what we hear the psalmist say in Psalm 31. Uh, in Psalm 31, uh, he says in verse 12, uh, Psalm 31, verse 12, uh, he says, I am forgotten like a dead man out of mind. I'm like a broken vessel, like a coffee cup with a hole in it. He said, I've, I've, I've lost my purpose. The reason he lost his purpose is because, you see in verse 9 and 10, sin had, had, had derailed him. Do you realize sin derails you? It derails you emotionally. It derails you spiritually. We're going to see that it derails us physically. The sin is no minor thing. We can't excuse sin and act like it's okay. And by the way, sin has a compounding effect in our life. Sin has a compounding effect. What begins as a small secret little sin can compound to become a devastating sin that destroys relationships, destroys our health destroys our life. The good news for us today is that even though we're like a coffee cup with a hole in the bottom of it, God teaches us that that hole can be repaired. What's broken can be made whole again. We can return to blessedness. 
Now that's what psalmist is talking about in Psalm 32. You look at Psalm 32 verse 1. Again, read with me, Psalm 32 verse 1. Blessed, remember Psalm 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But blessed is he who delights himself in the law of the Lord. We can find joy, we can be happy, we can be satisfied when we're faithful to the blessings, to, to the will of God and, and walk in, in practicing the presence of God. But what verses 1 and 2 teaches us is that we can be blessed again even though we've broken faithfulness with God. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Transgression is breaking fellowship with God through sin. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not count the guilt of our sin, in whose spirit there is no fake, farce, deceit. What's what's the psalmist talking about here? He's saying, even after we break fellowship with God, even though we punch a hole in our soul with a like a coffee cup, we can find blessedness again. We can find joy again. We can find satisfaction again. When our transgression is forgiven, when our sin is covered, when uh, God doesn't uh, count us guilty for our sin. And what, what the psalmist is saying is, if you want a full life, you need forgiveness. I mean, right here in real time with real sin that you've got running through your mind right now, you need forgiveness if you want a full life. You want to return to blessedness again? Even as followers of Jesus, you want to return to blessedness again? Then there must be forgiveness that you take hold of. The foundation of that forgiveness as followers of Christ still remains in the sacrifice of Jesus on a cross for our sin. The very thing that made us new creatures in Christ is the very thing that will rob sin of its power in our life today as followers of Jesus. But we need to have and embrace the prayer of confession. It's this prayer of confession that the psalmist talks about in Psalm 32 that helps us today with our problem with sin. And by the way, don't act like you don't have a problem with sin because you do. You're not fooling anybody. I'm not fooling anybody. Edie and I were talking this week about uh, sin and, and, and the struggle that sin creates. And, and we were talking about this, what I'm doing right now. You know, when I stand in front of you and I look at my sin, it is a heavy weight. Heavier than you may ever know. But you need to know that I carry sin, that I sin, that I sin like I eat and more. Sin is real. First John 1, 9 talks about the forgiveness we can have after we've sinned. But verse 10 tells us something very powerful that we need to remember. First John 1, 10 says, if anyone says that he's 
hasn't sinned, he is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Stop pretending like you don't have a problem with sin. You do. I know you do. You know you do. God knows you do. So let's just come clean about it. We've got a problem with sin. And we've got to deal with it. So as we look at this passage, I, I want you to see that sin is something that we all need to deal with as followers of Christ. We've got to deal with our sin. You want a full life, you want to be blessed, then you've got to deal with sin. A full life is a forgiven life. We need to deal with sin because sin is not a small thing. If you just look at the description of what sin did to David, who was writing the psalm, uh, just, just look in verse 31, verses 9 and 10. David writes, Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Can I ask? Every time you sin, do you see the trouble that you're in? See, this is something that I pray happens for me every day. I pray that I would see the trouble I'm in because of my sin. Now, we're, we're pl- plenty adept at seeing the trouble other people are in because of their sin. And we can, man, we can talk about other people's sins all day and all night. We can make it uh, kind of our own little pastime to look and consider and talk about the sins of others. But that's not the mandate of this passage. The mandate of this passage, what we need for a blessed life is to come clean about our sin, to see the trouble that my sin, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how minuscule or how invisible to others my sin might be it is trouble he goes on in verse 9 31 9 have mercy on me O lord for i'm in trouble my eye wastes away with grief my soul and my body waste away my life is spent with grief my years with sighing my strength fails because of my iniquity my bones waste away it's not just spiritual it's not just emotional it's physical Look at Psalm 32, verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. Can can I stop there? I pray that God would constantly place his heavy hand on me when I am winking at my own sin. I pray, I pray for you that God would put his heavy hand on you and detail the sin. Maybe right now you feel your heart racing and your pulse pounding because you are envisioning your sin. You see it clearly and you are feeling like there's a press against your heart right now. That's good. I pray that that kind of conviction continues. I don't ever want to get to the place where I can put my hand on a hot stove and it not burn me. I don't want to ever get to the place where I sin and I don't feel God's hand of heaviness on my spirit. I pray today you would feel that heavy hand on you. He says in verse uh, 4, Day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned to the drought of summer. He's saying, listen, all my vitality is gone. Everything has vanished. My strength is gone. My joy is gone. I've been derailed. Sin is serious, and we've got to deal with it seriously. We deal with it seriously through confession. 
through the prayer of confession. God revives our soul again through the prayer of confession. Our soul finds new life as we sink and soak in the forgiveness that God provides. Today, are you ready to take hold the prayer of confession? You see, I've got to confess my sin because I sin so regularly. And I want to practice the presence of God for each day. What about you? Are you ready to confess? One of the reasons that we don't confess our sin is because of pride. Whether it's pride, we want to keep doing what we're doing, or it's pride, I'm too ashamed to admit I've done wrong. Either way, it's pride. And many of us are here, and we have not come clean about our sin to God himself because of that pride. We, we refuse to, to, to acknowledge or co- confess our sin. You know, pride is always an issue of I trust me more than I trust God. That's always, that, that's what pride is. Pride is always, I know better than God knows. I can do better than God can do. Let me handle it, I've got it. And so we try to navigate through the pain of our shame and through the, uh, the prison of our guilt that sin has created. We're, we're losing ground, we've lost our joy, we have no satisfaction. I'm talking to believers today. All because of sin that we've refused to confess. And, and what do we do with it? Well, we just hold on to it because I, I can manage this, I can navigate this, I can handle this. I trust me more than I trust God. If we're going to have a prayer of confession that leads to a, 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 a reviving of our soul and the forgiveness of God, then we need to place our trust in God. We've got to trust Him with our sin. That's the very first aspect of this prayer of confession. We've got to place our trust in God. The psalmist knew he was in trouble. The psalmist knew his strength and vitality had left him. So in, 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 in chapter 31, verses 1 through 5, he, he begins that psalm by saying, God, I'm putting my trust in you. You are my rock. You are my fortress. You are my refuge. I'm going to cling to you. I'm going to trust in you. I'm in trouble. I can't fix myself. I have a hole in me. I'm broken. I'm just a little broken and I can't make myself whole. So God, I'm turning to you and I'm trusting in you. Now at the end of chapter 32, he says, he, uh, the, the, the psalmist says uh, that, that, that uh, verse 10, many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy, God's steadfast love will surround him. You want to be immersed in the steadfast, satisfying, life-giving love of God, then you've got to let go of pride and you've got to start trusting God. In Psalm chapter 34, verse 4, 33, verse 4, the psalmist says, uh, I'm sorry, 33, verse 18, the psalmist says that, that, God, I'm turning to you because your word is right. Everything you do is right. I can trust God with my sin. Can you trust God with your sin? Are you trusting God with your sin? I know, look, I know that many of us look at our sinfulness and we live with the regret and the shame that, of the things that we have done or are doing. And we think, man, I don't deserve God's forgiveness. Hey, that's true. 
You don't deserve God's forgiveness, and neither do I. None of us do. But the good news is that God doesn't forgive based upon our deserving. God God forgives based upon his faithfulness. God is faithful. And his desire and his design is to forgive. Trust God with your sin. He will forgive. That's what we see in this passage in Psalm 32. Uh, I acknowledge my sin. God, you forgive. Look at verse 5. It says, I acknowledge my sin to you. My iniquity I have not hidden. Chapter 32, verse 5. I acknowledge my sin to you. My iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. We confess God forgives. That's the way it works. That's God's faithfulness. You can trust him with your sin. He will forgive. He'll restore the intimacy of fellowship and friendship that you once had. You will experience his song of love and the pulse of his power flow through your soul. You will be revived. But you've got to place your trust in God. Do you trust God? More than your sin, do you trust God with your sin? The second thing about this prayer of confession is that we've got to to put a name to our pain. You see, so often, especially in today's self-help culture, and I'm not against self-help. I believe in counseling. I believe in going to counselors. I believe uh, that is a wonderful journey, and and I think you should, and I think we should. I'm I'm not against that kind of thing. What I'm against is naming stuff as a malady instead of acknowledging our sin, instead of confessing our transgressions. See, you've sinned, I've sinned. Are you naming that sin before God? Are you describing it? Are you detailing it? Are you making a list? Oh, you need to start making a list right now. This is my sin before a holy God. This is what I'm confessing. The psalmist said, I acknowledge. Do you know what acknowledgement means? It means I give words to the wrong that I have done. I can go to Edie and I can say, my wife, and I can say, honey, I'm sorry for being a bad husband. And that would be a true statement. I am sorry for being a bad husband because I've been a bad husband before. But she hears that and she says, well, what are you talking about? And really, she wants to know, do I understand the nature of my badness? Can I detail the log in my eye, the sin in my life? Honey, I'm sorry for being a bad husband. That's nice. You know what's better? Honey, I'm sorry I didn't take out the trash last night. That's better. See, in our relationship with God, by the way, the psalmist is confessing to God. I'm not saying you need to go to everybody around here and and confess all your sins. I'm not suggesting that at all. What I am suggesting is that you take time and every day you confess your sins to God. You put a name to them. Acknowledging gives words to the wrong that we have done. We need God to know that we know that we've done wrong and how we've done wrong. And that's what confess means. He says, I confess my transgressions to the Lord. 
To confess means that I'm saying to God, I know what you've said I've done is wrong, and I know that it's wrong, and it's sin, and it's, it's, uh, it, it's brought uh, dis, uh, distress to my soul, and it's brought distance between you and me. God, I'm sorry for this sin. Name it. What is it? You have a list yet? There's an aspect of this acknowledging and, and confessing and putting the name to our pain. There's an aspect of it that is specific. I want to detail my sin and consistent. I want to detail every sin. Sometimes I can't remember all my sins. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But even then, I need to acknowledge, God, there are sins that I've done that I don't know about. I can't remember what they are. God, will you forgive me? Look, the minute I curse somebody on my commute because they've cut me off in traffic is the minute I need to confess that sin. Don't let it sit. Don't let it rest. Confess it. When we confess, riding right on the heels of that honest, open confession where there is no fake and no farce, no deceit, when, when, when we are open and honest to God uh, with our sin and we confess it, then he forgives our sin. That's his faithfulness in action. That's 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Will you confess? you have a list yet? See, this isn't some minor thing. This isn't some minuscule thing. This isn't a childish thing. This is a grown-up every day, every day that we live from here to heaven kind of thing for us. We need to acknowledge our sin, confess our sin, come clean about our sin so that we can dwell in the forgiveness that God has made available to us through Christ. And when we do, we rest We find ourselves as the object of God's favor. We find his strength. Verse 6 says that that he's going, uh, when we pray in this way uh, and find God when he may be found, verse 7, he becomes our hiding place again. He protects us from trouble. The last phrase in verse 7, you shall surround me with songs of deliverance rather than the ringing sound of guilt and shame that consumes us in our unconfessed sin. We now hear the surround sound of God's great love washing over us. You are the object of my love, he says. Here is a satisfied life. Here is a happy life. Here's a blessed life. The good news for us is, yeah, we're a little broken. We are. I am and you are. But I can be, I can be made whole again. So don't be like a senseless mule or horse who needs a bit and bridle to get him in line. It's a paraphrase of verse 9. Some of us are here and we're striving and struggling and we're saying, I don't really want to give up my sin. I really don't want to acknowledge that it is sin. I want to hold on to it. Don't be like a senseless mule or horse. 
come clean about your sin. This morning, hear the promise from Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. And he rescues those who have a spirit crushed by their sin. Listen, today, as you feel the weight of God's conviction on your heart, open your heart to the living God. Yes, be brokenhearted over your sins so that you no longer live a broken kind of life. Come before him and find the forgiveness that he offers. I invite everyone to bow your heads as we come to a close today. I just want to invite you to confess. You see, the good news is in these next few moments, you're going to have an opportunity to talk to God about your sin. Maybe you've been making a list and maybe one thing that you need to do is to lay the sin that you're confessing here at the altar and give it to the Lord and lay it at the foot of Christ's cross who died and rose again to give you this new life, this blessed life. Maybe you need to come and bring those sin, no matter how secret or invisible or small we might number them to be, all sin is a damage to our soul. So bring your sin before the Lord. Maybe some of you want to come to the altar and, and talk to God about your sin. Make a list and bring that list and lay it before Christ who died to forgive that sin. Maybe some of you are just going to want to sit right where you are, so overwhelmed with conviction, you can't move or speak. You just, you just need to stop and let God speak to you, and you speak to God. Confess your sin. Or maybe as we're singing, God inspires you to stand and sing your song of praise to the Lord. That's certainly what David did at the end of Psalm 32 and the beginning of Psalm 33. He rose up in a shout of victory because he was living in the forgiveness that God had provided. And maybe you're so overjoyed with God's forgiveness because of your confession that you just have to sing praise. Or maybe you want to talk to one of the ministers that will be here at the front and just Say to them, I, 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 need to, I need to talk to somebody about my sin. Will you pray with me? And we would love to pray with you in that. Today, God gives us an opportunity for a clean slate again. To practice his presence through prayer. So confess. And soak in the forgiveness of God. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, in this moment, as you speak to our hearts today, will you lead us to trust you? Trust you more than we trust our sin. Trust you with our sin. I pray that you would give us the courage to name our sin, to actually give the name to it, to give words to the wrongs that we've done against you. God, I'm thankful that you are the perfect one. 
to receive our forgiveness because you are the one and the only one who can truly forgive us. You're the perfect one to hear our confession because you are the only one who truly understands us. You're the perfect one to hear our confession because Jesus has paved the way into your presence and you are our loving Father who longs and delights to forgive us. Now may we dwell in the forgiveness you offer as we confess our sin to you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. I invite you to continue in season of prayer. I invite you to come to the altar, come to one of the ministers. Whatever God leads you to do in these moments, I invite you to do it courageously but confidently, trusting in God and confessing your sin. Let's worship him now.